2 Corinthians chapter 5. While you're uh, turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a couple other things. Uh, I know many of you drive by the property over there on Greenfield and Queen Creek to keep up with what's going on, but we also have pictures updated of our construction process on the website. And you can go on there and actually see the, the month-by-month progress of the construction on our website if you are interested. And then ladies, don't forget about the retreat coming up this fall. Um, not many have signed up, and I think the ladies in leadership are wondering if you all have read your bulletin or went to the website or gotten your emails or whatever because there hasn't been as much interest up to this point. So I just wanted to make a quick shout out about that, because that's part of the reason why we encourage you, don't just use your bulletins for a fan. (laughs) Read them. Get on the website. If you're getting an email from a ministry leader here at the church, whoever that is, read it. (laughs) It may have important information, okay? All right. It's very important for each of us as human beings that every once in a while we get encouraged and and we get inspired and motivated from outside of ourselves. In fact, the Bible tells us that part of why God brings us together as brothers and sisters in Christ is so we can be in such close proximity to each other that every once in a while... You know, we can inspire and motivate uh, and fuel others as they live for the Lord and as they serve Him. And here we're talking about all about ministry and, and serving the Lord because that's why God saved us. Again, He didn't save us just to sit, He didn't save us just to be a spectator on the sidelines. He saved us so that we could serve, so that we could be part of His plan and, and purpose on this earth as He builds His. Church And every one of us as a Christian that has a part in that. But what Paul wants to say to all of us today, including the Corinthians, is that eventually we have to become self-motivated, self-sustaining, self-inspired Christians. Because we cannot count on outside inspiration and motivation to keep us at the level that we need to be in order to be servants of God. If, if we are depending solely on outside people to inspire and motivate us, and there's nothing coming from within, then you and I will not serve the Lord very long. And that's why many Christians, you look at their lives and you could describe them as the used-to-be's. They used to be involved in the church and they used to serve and they used to minister and whatever. And and like a lot of, you know, even Christians, you know, their, their life is sort of this rocket ship that takes off and boy, they're burning brightly and all of that. But it's not sustainable because they never learned how to be motivated from within. So if they're not constantly getting those strokes from outside, then their Christian life and their service wanes. The same thing could be said for just being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And again, remember, a disciple of Christ is different from a believer in Christ. All it takes to be a believer in Jesus Christ is to place our personal faith in Jesus as our Savior. 
and we can become born again. In order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there has to be a continuance. Jesus said to those who were following him at the time, if you continue to follow me, then you are my disciples indeed. You see. And the only way to continue to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is to get to a place where we are self-motivated. You see. And then we could say the same thing is true about spiritual leadership. You and I will never, ever become the leaders that God expects us to be if there's no self-motivation coming from within us about living our Christian life. Because how can we inspire and motivate others if we cannot inspire and motivate ourselves? How can we inspire and motivate other Christians to live for the Lord if we are always dependent on other Christians to inspire and motivate our Christian life? And so what Paul wants to talk to us this morning about are the three things in his life that provided self-motivation, self-inspiration, fuel from within himself so that he could continue to serve the Lord, continue to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and lead others by inspiring and motivating them because he was never totally dependent on outside encouragement and outside inspiration and outside motivation. No, he woke up every day with a fire within that burned for God. And the three things that sort of shaped his heart for God. The, the three things that sort of uh, fan the flame within him for God starts with verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 5. It was Paul's ambition to please the Lord. Now this is built on what we talked about last week, how we as Christians have this glorious future based on the trustworthy promises of God. And we've got so much to look forward to. And as followers of Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. When we leave this earth in death, we have a home with God in heaven. Not only that, but we have a body that he will prepare for us that will be fit for eternity, that will never wear out, that will never get sick, that will never experience death again. All of these things. And then Paul says this glorious future that God has for us can't even compare to even the sufferings that we go through down here on earth because our existence on earth is so short compared to eternity. And so because of all that, notice what Paul says then in verse 9. So then, based upon all of this glorious future that awaits us, whether we are alive or away with the Lord, we make it our ambition, our goal, our aim in life to please Him. See, for Paul, he was always every day self-motivated from within to live a life that pleased God above anything or everything else in his life. In fact, keep your finger there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And go back with me, first of all, to the Gospel of John chapter 12. You and I will either live to please the Lord or we will start living to please ourselves or to please others. And in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, look at verses 42 and 43. 
Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess Jesus to be the Christ, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then if you go over to Galatians chapter 1, the book of Galatians chapter 1, just past 2 Corinthians, look at what Paul says in verse 10 of Galatians 1. He says, Am I now trying to gain the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. You see, to Paul, pleasing the Lord was mandatory. Pleasing people was optional. And you and I should realize that if we live our lives trying to please other people, we're never going to do it to their satisfaction. Our sole goal, our sole aim, our sole inspiration and motivation should be live every day to please the Lord above everything else. And live for His applause and His approval, not the applause and praise of men. Because at sometimes those two are going to be mutually contradictory to one another. There's going to be times where I have to make a choice. Am I going to please God in this or am I going to please someone else in this? And so Paul says, I lived, made it my ambition to please the Lord. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, as Paul is talking about the characteristics of the last days and, and, and the kind of people that will be, you know, front and center in the last days. And Paul's not differentiating in that passage, I believe, between Christians and non-Christians. He says one of the characteristics is that people will live to please themselves above everything else. Then he goes on to say, and people will live for pleasure more than for God. They will love pleasure more than God. I mean, do we not see this even amongst Christians in our society today? Which is why it's so hard to get people to be committed and, and devoted and faithful to anything. Because if it's a choice between things that are pleasurable all the time, things that, you know, pamper us and all that kind of stuff, or maybe living to please God, the choice is easy for many people. I'm, I'm going to live for pleasure. I'm going to do what pleases me regardless of what pleases God. And Paul is saying, if you and I truly want to be a servant of the Lord, if we truly want to say to the Lord, Lord, here am I, send, send me, use me, God, then God, first of all, is looking for servants who are making it like Paul, their ambition, their goal, their aim in life to please the Lord above everything in everyone else. That was his first motivation that came from within him every day. But if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's another one that Paul talks about here. And it's right after that. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. Paul says, another motivation for me was the judgment seat of Christ. Where I realized as a Christian, I'm going to have to stand before God one day and I'm going to have to give an account of my Christian life. Romans, tw- uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. Now let's say this. This is not speaking about being judged for our sin. This is a judgment seat for Christians, not for unbelievers. And in no way is God ever going to judge us for our sin. Our sin was judged on the cross once and for all. And Jesus Christ took the penalty or judgment that was due to us on himself. So the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with our sin or our standing before God. That has been sealed the moment you and I place our personal faith in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that this judgment seat is not important or should be blown off or disregarded like many Christians do. Because Paul is saying, you realize, Christian, that our life, according to these verses and others, is a stewardship. And that God one day is going to reward us for how we lived our Christian life. And we'll talk about what that reward is in just a moment. But what Paul is reminding us all of, and Jesus does this in the parables. Remember the parable of the talents? Where Jesus says, my kingdom is is like this. I, I gave this person a certain amount of talents, and this person a certain amount of talents, and this person a certain amount of talents. And I told him I was going away for a while, but I was coming back, and I was going to settle my accounts with them. I was going to see what did they do with what I gave to them. And so the biblical teaching is everything that God has entrusted to us, be it our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our our resources, our material goods, whatever it is, our relationships, everything from God's perspective as we live our Christian life is a stewardship. And you and I then are being judged by how good of a steward we were, how good of a manager we were. How good were we with the opportunities that God gave us? Did we seize the opportunities we had in this life? What did we do with the material resources that God gave us? Did we invest or did we spend them all on ourselves and our own selfish pursuits and pleasure? What did we do with our spiritual gifts and our our abilities and talents and, and all of that? Did we use them for the Lord and the advancing of His kingdom and His church or whatever? God is going to judge all of that one day. And Jesus says in Matthew 25, to the one who was entrusted with these things and invested them and used them, here was the response of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. We'll come back to that. 
He said the same thing to the other one who used their talents and invested in eternity and all of that. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. But to the last one, who did not use their talents and abilities and gifts, who squandered the opportunities that they had in this life to live for the Lord and serve Him, Jesus says, we'll even take what you were given and we'll give it to somebody else who was more faithful. In other words, that person will have nothing or very little to show for their entire Christian life. All the years that they lived on this earth, all the opportunities they had to grow and serve and all of that, all of that is part of the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul says, why this is such an important motivation for me every day is if I truly believe in the promises of eternity, then I realize that at this judgment seat of Christ, my reward, if you will, is that Jesus will base my role, my responsibility, what place or part or position in His kingdom throughout eternity. Not just the thousand year millennial reign of Christ here on earth, but even eternity beyond that is going to be based on how you and I lived our Christian life. Whoa! You would think then it would be more important for us as Christians, to make sure that we are managing the things that God gave us to the highest degree, that we are good stewards. Because if we are, we are setting ourselves up literally for eternity. And let's not forget to contrast. Even as Christians, we make sure on earth that we put all the effort and time and money and we'll just say blood, sweat and tears in making sure that we have done what we could do to set ourselves up for success on earth. We try to get the best education and, and, and all the hours of work that we put in and all these things to get ahead on earth. And yet, how much blood, sweat, and tears and time and effort and resources are we putting into setting ourselves up for eternity? And even as parents and grandparents of those, you know, youngsters, our children, our grandchildren, how often do we focus on making sure they get set up really good to make sure they have a good life here on earth? What about in eternity? You see. That's what motivated Paul. Not what the world could give him that would only last as long as he was alive, but what he would receive from the Lord the day he stood before the Lord and gave an account of himself at the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, one other thing. And I hope that this will ease you as much as it eases me. You won't have to give an account for me. And I won't have to give an account for you. Each of us will give an account of himself or herself. Wow, that's freeing. Now, as a pastor of a local church, I not only will give an account of myself, but I will give an account for the Oasis Church. You will not be responsible for that because you're not the pastor. 
But you will, if you come to the Oasis and you are part of our fellowship here, just like you would be part of a local church somewhere, you will give an account for what part you played in that local church, if any. That will be part of what we give an account for at the judgment seat of Christ. And at the end of verse 10, when Paul says, we will be paid back, let's just remind ourselves, no one can outgive the Lord. In fact, Jesus even said, do you realize if you and I are faithful over just a few things here, you remember what Jesus said? I will make you ruler over many things. In other words, the reward is going to be so much greater than what time and effort and energy and resources we put in to just being faithful to what God gave into our hands here. That's the kind of God he is. He's going to go way above and beyond what we thought we would ever get rewarded for by just being faithful to the things that he placed into our hands. And Paul goes on to say, paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. It simply means worthwhile or worthless. That's what the two words mean. Good means worthwhile. Evil means worthless. What did you and I involve ourselves in? What did we spend our time and energy and effort in and our resources in that was truly worthwhile, especially in light of eternity? And how much of our lives, the 24 hours that you and I get every day, the seven days a week that we get, the 52 weeks a year, how much of that will have been spent on stuff that really didn't matter in eternity? It made no difference. It made no dent. It was just burned up. And remember, Paul even says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3 that there will be Christians whose lives are evaluated in this way and basically their whole life gets burned up. The only thing that transfers into eternity is their own soul. That's it. They have nothing to show for their Christian life. How tragic, how sad, considering the fact that you and I have the same amount of time that anybody does. It's how we choose to use it. And especially in America, we have more resources at our disposal than most other Christians do around the world. And we've got more conveniences that mean a lot of times we have more what we call free time than other people do around the world as well. Remember, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much more will be required. I believe that no group of people have been so materially materially blessed like you and I have in America over the last couple centuries. And I think Jesus is going to look at us as American Christians and go, you had way more to be able to do for me than what maybe a Christian in communist China could do who had to live underground in fear of their lives. And yet, what did we do with it? And here's another thing. Now, Paul doesn't say this because Paul was never one to sort of toot his own horn. But this church... Their founding pastor was Paul. Their pastor teacher for many years was Paul. Can you imagine 
standing at the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus saying, and who was your pastor? Paul. Paul was your pastor? Wow. What did you do with that? Not much. I wish I had the Apostle Paul as my personal pastor. I'd have been pretty cool. You see, I think we need to remind ourselves who and what has God brought into our lives that one day we're going to be accountable for. The opportunities, all of that. This is what fueled Paul every day. Not only his ambition to please the Lord, but always in the back of his mind, or maybe I should say the forefront of his mind, when he woke up every day, one day I'm going to have to stand and give an account of my life. I want to live every day in light of eternity because I want Jesus to give me a role, a responsibility, a position, a place in his kingdom forever that will be something significant, you see. One other motivation Paul gives us here in this passage, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. You could use the words motivates us, inspires us, fuels us. And notice, it's not love for Christ. That's important, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. That's not what motivates him every day. It's his own love for Christ. What motivates him and inspires him every day is, his, is, is the realization and acknowledgement of the love that Jesus has for him. See, for Paul, he never got over the fact that God took upon human flesh and came to this earth to die for him as a sinner. He never got over that. He never got over that the perfect God-man was willing to be crucified and shed His blood for Him, a sinner. And He calls Himself the chief of sinners, by the way. He never got over that. That's why there are so many verses in the Bible about reminding us about the love that God has bestowed upon us. John writes, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John also writes, beloved, do we realize what sort of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God? We sang about that this morning. I'm a child of God. I mean, Paul would say, do you take that for granted every day? That you and I wake up in a right relationship with God, not through anything that we have done, but only through what God has done. For he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. How about Paul in the book of Romans? about the love of God for us. He says, God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then he writes, God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do we realize how God has poured out His love into our hearts? He didn't 
splash us with his love. He didn't trickle a little bit of his love into our life. No, Paul uses the word, he poured it out to the point of overflowing. Think of your life as just under a huge waterfall and you are just getting inundated by the love of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so how can any of us stand before God one day and say, I wasn't loved. God would say, every second you were alive, you were loved. The waterfall of my love was flowing into your life. You just didn't see it. You didn't recognize it. You were so busy and distracted doing other things. You did not know my love for you. You were busy pursuing other things rather than pursuing me. And you missed out on the greatest love you and I could ever experience, which is the love of God. Paul said, how can I wake up any day and not live for the Lord after he has loved me so much? He died for me. He's forgiven us of all our sins. He's thrown our sins into the depths of the sea. He will never bring them up again. Not only that, he has placed us into his own family. We are now children of God. He has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and of his son whom he loves. He has given us his spirit to live within us every day of our Christian life. He has bestowed upon us spiritual gifts and talents and abilities to glorify him. He's given us the very breath that we breathe every day and that we take for granted. Everything that we have comes from the love and hand of Almighty God. And Paul would say to all of us, how can we not be inspired and fueled and motivated to live for Him and to serve Him every day that we are alive? Which is why then Paul says this in verse 15. And he, Christ, died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised. Paul says to the Corinthians, these are the motivations that kept the fire burning within me to serve the Lord every day for the rest of my life. And we know Paul did achieve that. We know that because at the end of 2 Timothy, his letter to Timothy, the very last letter Paul penned before he left this earth and went to be with Jesus, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. To the very end, that fire was burning. What was Paul's first motivation? He lived every day to please the Lord. Second, the judgment seat of Christ. Third, the love of Christ for him. Those were the things that came from within Paul. Did Paul need to be encouraged? Did Paul need to be inspired and motivated by other Christians at times? Absolutely, we all do. But that wasn't predominantly what lit the fire inside Paul and kept it burning bright all the days of his life. He was motivated from within. And as I've said at the very beginning, if you and I don't allow God 
and what God has done in our life to begin to build some self-motivation and self-discipline into our lives, we will never serve the Lord for long. We will never continue to be His disciple. And we certainly will never achieve a leadership position in His church where we inspire and motivate others. Because how can we inspire and motivate others if we can't even motivate and inspire ourselves? Could we stand and pray? I want to ask you this morning, would you allow God to ignite a fire in you this morning? Maybe you have had a fire for God going in your life for a while, but it is starting to go out a little bit. It is starting to wane. Would you ask God to help reignite that fire within you for Him? Because God is looking for servants People who are done playing games and playing church and, and, and just putting up the appearances. God is looking for transparent, real people who are truly committed and devoted to Him. And the only way that you and I can get there and stay there is by allowing God to motivate us from within ourselves. Would you let God light a fire in you that could never be quenched nor could ever be distracted by something or someone else. God, we pray today that you would light a fire not only in us individually, but God, as the Oasis Church, that you would light a fire in this church so that as a community of believers, we would burn bright for you. We would be willing to be all in for you. We would be willing to lay it all on the line for you. That we would not continue to live for ourselves, to please ourselves, to please others above anything else. But God, we would make it our ambition in life to please you above everything. That we would remember that our eternity, our eternal service, our eternal place, our eternal role and responsibility in your kingdom will be based on how we've lived the Christian life here on this earth. And then, God, how could we get about, forget about your love? Paul even writes to the Ephesians, I pray for you, fellow Christians, that you will get to a place where you will begin to wrap your minds around the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of God's love for you. God's love for each of us is not a camelback high love or a rocky mountain love. It's a Mount Everest love and beyond. God's love for us is not swimming pool deep or even Grand Canyon deep. It's ocean deep and beyond for us. There is no length where it ends for God to love us. His love for us is unconditional and eternal. He will never stop loving us. He will never stop being crazy about us. We will never stop being the objects of His affection. His heart is fully in for us. May our heart be set on fire for Him. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.